If you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, we're going to go there as um, part of our Christmas message um, over the next few weeks. We'll be spending some time there and uh, looking at different facets in the Christmas story. And back in late October, early November, comes to that time of year when you start planning for these things. And one of those challenges that you always have is that you're trying to tell the same story that's been told thousands and thousands of times in a new and different way and, and ways that um, really mean something for us today. And so when I went there, I went to the Word of God and I read through the entire Christmas story. And as usual, the Holy Spirit kind of points out a few things to talk about to the church that affects us in this day and hour. And I was drawn to two scriptures, both of which say essentially the same thing in Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at the first one, and it involves Mary's response to the shepherds coming to visit Jesus as a newborn in Bethlehem the night he was born, and all the things that the angels had told to them about the birth of this newborn king. Now, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15, talk about the shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. They're treated to a sudden angelic choir proclaiming the birth of a Savior and sounds and lights so bright it would put any modern concert to shame. The shepherds are overjoyed and rush to Bethlehem to see this great sight. And they come to a stable and worship the infant Jesus and tell Mary and Joseph everything they had seen and heard. And then in verse 19, there's a small verse that most people may overlook. And verse 19 says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you take this message and help it to encourage us to seek you, to hear your voice, to seek you and see what you want us to do in these last days. Because, Father, one word from you can set our life ablaze. It can set the direction of our life sure. It can sweep away the fear, the doubt, and the unbelief. It can, and it can just set us on a path that is sure in you. And give us the mission that you have called us to during this day and time. Father God, use this message to, to encourage us in this in this idea, Father, and, and this important spiritual truth. Father, I ask this in your name. Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning about how to treasure God's word to you. Because God still speaks today. He still speaks rather loudly today, if we are willing to listen. And he has a word for each one of us. He has a mission for us. He has a gifting that he wants to place within our lives to serve his kingdom for such a time as this. And this word that he gives us, or this mission that he gives us, is meant to cast a light into our life, to illuminate a certain path to walk in, and helps us to see where we're going even when everything around us grows dark. That word is meant to be your fuel. That word is meant to be your guidepost. That word is meant to set your purpose in his kingdom. 
Everybody is wondering, what is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is trying to find the Lord your God and what you, he would have you do on this earth during this time. When I was in my ordination interview, Larry Levy, who was district superintendent about at the time, I was expecting this huge grilling like I got during my licensing. I mean, it, if you ever were in the military, it felt like uh, sitting in a um, NCO promotion um, board and none of them liked you. That's what it was like. They just kept grilling you and grilling you, and they were they were trying to make you react and trying to make you lash out at them as they as they were grilling you because sometimes you know pastors get treated unfairly and they just wanted to make sure you had the the uh, strength of character not to lash back and um, that's that's kind of what that um, was feeling like and this word and Larry told me he said in my um, license or my ordination interview he asked me he go he asked me to explain how I knew I was called to the ministry and I told him I told him the story and he goes I want you to write that down I want you to put that word in your office whenever you get an office. I want you to look at it all the time because that word from God will be your guidepost. That will be the rock you turn around when everybody may hate you in the church, when everybody may be talking about you, when everybody may be uh, mad at you about something. You go back to that and say, God has called me to the ministry. God has called me to be a shepherd to his people. And that's why that word is so important for us to guide. And you'll feel and you'll find that when the Father reveals that truth to you, it's vital that you treasure that word and bury it deep within your heart. Now, there's a variety of ways to discover what this word is for yourself, to what this mission is that God wants to give you. And although it's not the central point of today's message, let me just run through a couple of ways that God may speak to you this way. It may come supernaturally through God speaking to you like he did Mary by sending Gabriel to uh, announce that she would be the mother of the Messiah. It can come jumping out at you when you're reading God's word, the Bible, that you see something and you're saying, Man, that's, that's speaking to me right now. That's, maybe God wants me to do something with that or, or live that in front of people. Maybe it can come through a person or a circumstance in life that speaks to your heart. I know a lot of people who have been called for ministry, to ministry, like at Spencer Lake in youth camp, at different things like that, where they, they heard a, a sermon and God spoke to their heart. That's when God spoke to my heart to go into the ministry was during a sermon. And, and he told me to study to show yourself approved, and he, he would make me a minister. It can come through recognizing a need that has to be met. I know people, um, Special Touch Ministries, for example, he saw a need that needed to be met, and he made that his, or Charlie Chivers made that his ministry. Now, no matter how it comes to you, there are a few things that you need to do to protect this word from God in your life and treasure it in your heart like Mary did. And the first thing is, know that the enemy is going to try to steal it. In, chapter, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives a parable about a farmer who goes out to scatter his seed. Many of us remember it. The seed represents the word of God. 
And as a farmer scattering his seed, Jesus comments on several things that can choke out the effectiveness of the word of God. And one of the ways that the seed does not sink into the ground and take root is that the enemy comes and steals it right away. This most often happens when you receive some type of revelation from God, and then it seems immediately like all the gates of hell open up in your life. In my own life, I was several years, it was several years after I came to faith in Jesus. And God had been speaking to me and spoke to me very specifically in a service about going into the ministry. I told Tammy about it, and I told my pastor, and then I just kind of let it sit. I didn't tell a lot of other people. And as a person who's received these kinds of words from God, I can tell you personally, when I've gotten these, it's something that just resets you. It's something that just takes your focus off of all your problems, and it gives you a sense of, of joy, and it gives you a sense of purpose, and it gives you a sense of promise in your life, and it puts a new dream in your head, and all those problems just seem to be swept to the side. And it can put you on a spiritual high for a long time and sustain you for the long haul. And one of the things about receiving a supernatural word from God is that oftentimes you're not the only person that hears it. Very often, that word from the Lord causes a counterreaction in the kingdom of darkness. And they're going to come and they're going to try to snatch that word away from you and replace it with fear, doubt, and unbelief. You see, the enemy knows the potential power that the word of God can have in your life. After all, what was his first attack against Adam and Eve? Calling into doubt God's word. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? And when God gives you that kind of supernatural calling and supernatural mission or supernatural word in your life, he's going to do everything he can to snatch it away from you before it has a chance to take root. I remember soon after I received a call to the ministry, I was serving in the church for a musical that we were putting on over a weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We saw many, many people coming to saving faith in Jesus. I remember working on the altars and, and leading a lot of people in the sinner's prayer, and I was on a super spiritual high. And Sunday night I get home and open the door, and I found out that our apartment had gotten broken into and robbed. And just ransacked. I mean, they just tore the whole thing apart. And I looked around, and there wasn't really a lot of stuff missing. I think it was maybe a TV, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything like really super major, except that they stole our vacuum cleaner. I mean, if you're going to ransack a guy's home, at least leave the vacuum cleaner. It wasn't, a, it wasn't like a Kirby. I mean, it wasn't like an expensive vacuum. It was a dirt devil we got for like $15. And they stole, <laughs> and they stole our, our uh, Kmart Blue Light Special vacuum cleaner. And, um, and yeah, we had a problem. We had to go out and get a new vacuum cleaner so we could clean up. Then the next week at work, there were all kinds of things going wrong. 
There were talks of layoffs, talk about pay cuts, a lot of infighting going on, the different departments fighting about who gets to stay and who might get, um, get to go. Then I get to church, uh, either a couple Wednesdays later, and I'm just, I'm just, I just feel really heavy. I just kind of one of those times that you kind of stumble into church and say, God, I need to meet with you. You know, just take some of this away from me. And as I walk in, one of the guys that was on the board sits me or pulls me aside in a room and sits me down and tells and says, we just want to tell you that the board is probably going to be getting rid of our, our current pastor. And I love this guy. I love that pastor. I mean, he was the guy who was mentoring me, start, going to start mentoring me into the ministry and everything. And they wanted me to be part of, or part of their like group of people that were trying to get rid of the pastor. And it kind of backfired because I immediately went and told the pastor. I thought that was my duty as a loyal member of the congregation. And that caused a huge blowout. And it alienated me from quite a few people in the church many of whom I had respected and had been mentoring me along the way. And it just seemed like I got called into the ministry and I was on that spiritual high and then all of a sudden everything started going wrong. And looking back on it now, I realized what was happening. The enemy was using these circumstances to try to make me forget or discount that word that had been placed within my heart. Instead of holding on to and treasuring and meditating on it and letting it guide me, I was instead focused on everything else that was going on. And that's why when you receive this kind of word of God in your life, or you receive that direction that he wants you to go in, you need to protect it. And that's why, just like Larry encouraged me, I encourage you, write it down. Put it in a prominent place in your house. Go back to it often. Ask God to speak to you anew through it. Because it's going to be the thing that keeps you on the, the path that God has for you. This was even important in the Old Testament. You can't read the Old Testament very long before somebody was building an altar. Many of these altars were built as a remembrance of when God did something for a person or a community of people, they called them Ebenezer stones. Stones of help and remembrance of God's goodness. Today we build statues of people for the same reason, even if we're trying to tear half of them down. Because we want to remember both the good and the bad as reminders of our past. But this is why we need these kind of remembrances in our life to remind us of the goodness of God and his promises to each one of us. The second thing you need to treasure or need to do to treasure God's word in your heart is to bury that treasure. And I know it seems to be the kind of exact opposite of what I just said, but let me clarify. Again, the enemy is going to try to use fear and doubt and unbelief to cause you to question God's word in your life. And very often that's going to come through people, culture, and influences that are not healthy to you, and especially to your spiritual life. Right after I got called into the ministry, I told my dad what I believed God had spoken into my life. And my dad kind of drew me aside and said I was nuts. 
He said, you know, Johnny, I don't know if you have a very short memory, but you remember a few years ago all the, the really bad stuff you were into? You remember me bailing you out of jail a few times? You remember all that stuff you did as a teenager? You've disqualified yourself for ministry. Look, there is no, you're, I can't believe the church doesn't fall to the ground with you walking in the door as it is. And you come in to minister, that's just crazy. He goes, you need to be, do what I did. You get to work a good job, get a city job, something where you get a pension after 20, 25 years, retire early, and live a good life. And just, just do that kind of stuff. And then, you know, maybe in retirement, if you need a hobby, go do that ministry stuff then. And that kind of made sense to me at the time when he said that, because we had a guy in our church named Ver, uh, Pastor Vern Lee did the same thing. He worked a good job, got a pension, and then did ministry for 30 years after he retired. Matter of fact, they said that as a former union employee, he uh, was very offensive because he worked harder in retirement than he, he did when he was working. And they just used to make fun of him because of that. And then I got a job working for a boss that was um, very much not trying to get me out of doing ministry, but wanting me to stay with this company and work my way up the ladder in management, including moving to, Dent or to Aurora, Colorado, and um, taking up a job there as a manager for one of the largest ambulance companies in the world. But looking back on it now, I see what the enemy was trying to do. Again, he was trying to sneak in and steal, kill, and destroy what God had put within my heart. And that's what I mean by burying the treasure. Sometimes when God speaks to your heart, you have to kind of just hide that for a little while. You don't go out and tell everything, everyone around it. It's kind of like if you got like, the, like a really expensive um, object, you know, name it, expensive car, expensive jewelry, exp something really expensive. You don't put it on Facebook with your address and how to get into your house, right? It's kind of the same thing when God gives us this kind of word or this kind of mission or this kind of calling in our lives because there are thieves among us. And not just physical thieves, but spiritual thieves. And that's why we need to protect what's important in our life. Kind of a funny example. Have you ever met a person who overshares things about their life? You know, it's like you have, no, you have no question what they're about, who they're about, what they think, because everything flies out of their mouth. It's like they never grew out of being five years old, where they had no filter. And that's what I, I kind of love about kids, because they're the best at oversharing and just telling you the way it is. You know what I love being a nurse is that kids will call their parents out all the time when they lie to me about something going on in the home. When you come to the ER, you typically are taken into the triage room. There we get a history. We do a quick physical exam. and We determine what kind of care you're going to need. In this case, I had a family of four children who kept, they were coming in all the time, one of the children to always have an ear infection. 
And as part of the triage process, I'd ask about the parents' smoking history or if they're smoking in a home because one of the major reasons pediatric ear infections, like 85% of them, are caused by smoking in the home. However, in this case, the parents both denied, we don't smoke in the home at all. I'm like, even though everybody in the room smelled like cigarette smokes, fresh and stale, and I just take them at their word, okay, no smoking in the home. But just as I was finishing up that question and hearing the parents' denial, the doctor comes in and opens the door just as the five-year-old who has the ear infection stands up, puts their hands on their hips, and says, Mommy, you're lying. Mommy, you smoke in front of us all the time. You smoke on the couch. You smoke in bed. You smoke in the car on the way here. You're the one making my ear infection. And the entire ER heard it. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> and I tell this story just to, to illustrate this fact. We talk about burying the treasure. You just have to be careful about who you share your deep secrets with. And if God gives you a word meant to encourage you, keep in mind that word is for you and you alone. I'm not saying you can't talk to a trusted person about it. You can't talk to me about it. You can't talk to, to whoever about it. But just be careful about who you share it with. And don't give the enemy to come and steal it or throw up roadblocks in your life. The third thing we want to do is we want to ponder it often. In Luke 2.19, remember it said that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. There's an old saying that says, your focus determines your reality. Or in, as the Bible says in Proverbs 23.7, as a man thinks, so is he. This directly ties in with the law of sowing and reaping. We're in agricultural county. We know if we want to have corn come up next year, we're not going to plant wheat. We're going to plant corn. Right? It's basic common sense. But for some reason, we as Christians, we have a tendency to live in such a way where we allow the most absolute garbage into our lives. And then expect an output on the other end of peace, joy, prosperity, or happiness as the result. And whatever your situation is in life, it's because of decisions that were made that produced a predictable outcome. Now, I know many of us have had bad things come from outside of us, and I'm not, I'm not discounting that at all. We have things that happen that were not our fault and that we couldn't change. We know that fallen people will do evil things that produce an evil result. We don't always get to choose what happens to us. I, I grew up in a welfare home surrounded by drugs, alcohol, partying, and very irresponsible behavior. And as my dad reminded me, much of my younger life was spent modeling what I saw lived out in front of me. However, Jesus can and will bring healing to all those things if you let him. It's your choice. You can continue to live in defeat or choose his victory as yours and truly live again. It depends where you put your focus, what you're pondering in your heart. 
There's a truism I learned in the military and it carries over into all aspects of life. Those who think they can and those who think they can't are both usually right. Let me say that again. Those who think they can and those who think they can't are both usually right. It's where your focus is. I had a graduate level course on this at one point in my life. Someone who was a very, very close to me proved not to be such a close friend and betrayed me in some of the worst ways possible. And for months, all I could do is think of ways to get even, to cause double the pain that person and the pain that I felt and make them suffer for what they did to me. I mean, I wanted Old Testament retribution. You ever been there about somebody? You want the fire, you want the brimstone, you want everlasting torment. You wake up thinking of new ways to maybe get even with this person. And if you can fall asleep at night at all, it's thinking about how you, what they might be doing right now and how you can mess with it. <coughs> I was on my fourth night with only a couple hours of sleep. And I was exhausted. All the, the bile that had been built up in my heart had finally run out. And I asked God, I said, Father, can you just please let me sleep? Please, please, please take this away from me. Let me sleep. And there's just silence. And so I asked again, Father, please, please, please let me sleep. And there was nothing, nothing. God didn't speak to me. No reassurance, no sense of peace, nothing. A third time I prayed, and still silence. And frustrated, I just cried out to God and said, God, why aren't you answering me? And immediately a scripture came to my mind. Matthew 6.15, it says, If you do not forgive others their sins against you, neither will your Father forgive yours. And then he followed it up. Then I heard his voice. He said, If you will not act like my son, who forgave the men who beat him, mocked him, spit on him, and then crucified him, then you don't get to call me Father. Man, that made me repent. That, made, that, that totally changed the direction of my thoughts. And the things I had been pondering in my heart had separated me from a relationship with God. And now He was calling me on the carpet. And that's why what you ponder in your heart is so important. Christianity is not just trying to make bad people good. It's trying to make dead people live. It's not just behavioral modification. If you need behavioral modification, go to a 12-step program. It's about inner transformation, about making what was once dead live in Christ. It's about putting to death that old nature and allowing the new nature to take over. And that's why... What you meditate on in your heart shows how effective that inner transformation has become in your life. And that is why when you receive that special word from God, it is to be the thing that feeds you, motivates you, and draws you closer to the Father and His plan for your life. And that is why we are to ponder it often and let it be our focus 
instead of everything else going on in our life.